What a pleasure. Let's do the, the safe, uh, COVID safe and, elbow and bump. Yes. For money so, 2020. For money 2020 in Amsterdam. It's our first day and we are delighted. We already fought for a table for our meeting, right? And uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, likewise. First time meeting in, in person after plenty of uh, interaction on Twitter and LinkedIn and looking forward to a good uh, three days here in Amsterdam. And Jason, he looks much more younger, powerful. I, I will take younger. <laughs> so here we are. I'm, I'm excited because I have a, a, a session to moderate uh, later today. And I've been thinking whether after three days, what will be the important stuff? Is it about... The changing the way we access money, changing the way we manufacture wealth and money? Is it about the distribution? Or is it going to be about completely redefining what money is? I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I'll have a better answer after three dates. I think the um, topics I'm most excited about are related to CBDCs and sort of the notion of, I mean, tied into what you're saying, Know, who is responsible for creating, managing, distributing you know, currency or money and what format does that take? What, uh, what panel are you moderating because I'm going to have to attend that? It's about programmable money yeah. and how can that, you know, how can we think of that? But at the end of the day, you know, it's about control. Who controls, you know? Banks used to control the money distribution. It's, that's not true anymore. And now the question on the table is, what about the issuance of money? Can it be private? Can it be, you know, in this form or in another form? There's so many questions out there. And there's always the question of, can we offer more access, right? You, you, you have a lot of expertise in, in lending. Um, you know, that's, that's about access. We have a lot more to do in that sort of vertical. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the opportunity for technology to promote access and inclusion, particularly by making data more available and more portable. So here in the EU, the idea of open banking, being able to use that uh, bank account data, transaction data to better facilitate underwriting, risk management, lending, uh, the creation and movement of money while mitigating risk tied to fraud. Uh, credit risk, like there's a lot of opportunity there to meet the needs of constituencies who historically maybe had difficulty accessing banking or credit services. But we're still behind. I mean, when I look at my transaction history, you know, in my banking statement, I see the transactions, but I don't really see, you know, I've shopped on Amazon on, you know, XYZ store, but I don't see what I shop. And, uh, you know, it's simple things like that. And on the other hand, you know, we, we want to see our uh, carbon footprint on our transactions. Where are we? That's an interesting point. There was a really good um, newsletter or blog post from one of the partners at Andreessen recently about the opportunity for buy now, pay later to meet some of that need. Specifically, I think he used the word like skew level data. So yeah, if I swipe my bank uh, maestro card here in the Netherlands, you know, bank can see I spent 10 euros at Hema, but they don't know what I bought. 
Whereas uh, part of the opportunity to, to meet the challenges you're talking about um, comes from knowing what did that 10 years get spent on? You know, was it food? Was it housewares? Uh, was it you know, toothpaste? And that, that is a sort of next level granularity that can power an entire you know, set of applications I can't even think of right now. I'm curious, Jason, to see, get a sense here whether really financial services are shifting to serve the e-commerce industry, if you want, that is growing because it's at that intersection that we're going to have these types of innovations of, you know, analytics, also issues of privacy, but always serving customers better. I mean, I think that's the hope. There's, there's arguments to be made that perhaps these products are not always serving customers better, right? I mean, it depends on uh, sort of who controls them and, and what is the point. And I feel like I always end up talking about buy now, pay later. But that's an example where it is meeting a real customer need, right? Financing uh, a purchase over a, a short or longer period of time. But then if you zoom out, there's a question of, is this actually fostering that consumer's best interests? Um, you know, is it improving his or her financial health? And if it is reducing friction to the point where they're making a purchase that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have made, which is kind of the point, right? If you're an e-commerce seller putting that on your site, um, or you know, even worse, getting into a position where you're accruing debt and payments that are unaffordable, you know, it, it's not win-win in that case. Yeah, which comes to the point that there's no, we're nowhere close to having a holistic picture of our financial situation or our economic situation contextually and so on. So, so we are far away from that because we, we, are, we did get rid of some silos and we're creating some new silos and it's, it's just, uh, you know, we, we are in that iteration, if you want, of opening up but maybe closing other parts, um, opening up with other partners but creating different silos. And um, you know that that's that's a very interesting development, and especially in the West, where the market intervention, the regulation, where does it stop? Where does it promote? You know this open architecture mm -hmm. that we all want is is questionable. Yeah, I mean, I think you've seen really interesting differences in particularly open banking and data portability in the EU, where it's been, in a sense, driven by regulation and policy versus the US, which has really had a complete vacuum of policy until very recently, uh, and has been more market driven. And I'm not, it's difficult to say that the outcomes in, in you know, one market have been superior or inferior to the other, but they've definitely been different. And you've seen that tension that you're talking about between silo and control uh, in the US, where you have platforms like Plaid that serve as the pipes to sort of move this information and logically advocate for you know, open, um, you know, open architecture where customers have control over their own data. But incumbents, you know, big banks, tend to view that as a threat and a loss of control. I think on the flip side, there are opportunities for big banks to also benefit and capitalize on that data portability, but I think they tend to zero in on the risk component 
um, and, and perhaps sometimes miss the potential upside opportunity from getting access to other, uh, other institutions' data. So what you're saying is they've been relatively defensive yeah. you know, in, in grabbing that opportunity. So what's your next session? Where are you heading? Uh, there, there is a panel on CBDCs kicking off, I think, in half an hour. So I will probably find somewhere to grab a coffee and then head to that. Great. Let's nice to meet you in person.